Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Danger Room, the X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. My name's Adam. And my name is Jeremy. And we are here for B-Sides. Oh. It's another one of those episodes. We've got, we got a lot to cover, so let's get into it. Let's do it. X-Factor 66, y'all. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a long time coming. This issue was a mess. Um. Yeah. Yeah. It was. Um. Well, I guess we'll get into it. It's, it was difficult to sort of track who was doing what and why they were doing it. But uh, yeah. 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 <laughs> this. This is a. And I think I said this last time around. Sixty five and sixty six just really feel like you know we need to get to X Men one, but we need to pad out the runtime of everything else, and we can't really have them doing anything. So here you go. Here's this. My feeling is they're like, let's make an action movie out of X Factor, but it doesn't make any sense. So then they were like, well, let's get Chris Claremont to write a bunch of words over the top of it. And some of the words don't even feel like Chris Claremont's words. Often they do feel like Chris Claremont's words, but occasionally it's like a dumbed down version of Chris Claremont. Yeah, and we'll talk about we'll talk about all that. Um I may not have retained a whole lot through the issue because I read it yesterday. Uh, and at the end of it, I was like, I, I think I know how this ended, but I don't know why a lot of things uh, in the issue happened. Uh, yeah. Uh, I think the big thing that happens, I think, is really just to sort of help sort of refresh and reboot. Um, and, and we'll talk about that when we get there. But uh, the cover of this thing here, it says, Beware the Wrath of Apocalypse. And um, on the cover, you've got Cyclops and Gene holding little baby Nathan. And then the rest of X-Factor in the background, as well as uh, a robot monster in the background. Is that supposed to be Apocalypse, or is that supposed to be the robot monster that's taking over the ship? Sure. Okay. <laughs> I don't think it's supposed to be apocalypse to me it's sort of do you remember uh garrick it's not yeah. garrick but to me it looks yeah. like a a robot garrick it's very um it's a very good example of what you're going to get inside where you kind of see some things you recognize but at the same time you don't know what's going on yeah uh covers by wills portacio and who's at art t-bear okay so it's a good cover i mean i well I like Cyclops. I like Nathan. Uh, Gene, I feel, is a little bit phoned in. And, you know, the Mount Beast isn't all that great. And uh, there's Iceman. Angel's good, though. Iceman's pretty bad. Beast is generic. It, it, uh, his chin is, like, huge. We're talking, something, something happened to Iceman. We're talking, like, Robert Zadar chin there for Beast. <laughs> That's a deep cut. <laughs> I thought you'd appreciate it, though. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, let's get into this thing. So ship is attacking the city. Yeah, and and not only is ship attacking the city, but he's like he's integrating his circuits with humans. So it's not just like random damage to buildings and cars. Like there are some what look like dead people with uh, ship circuitry in them. It doesn't. Yeah, it, it, this, this issue doesn't really cover what's actually happening. I'm assuming they're just dying and not being made into robot automatons. Right. Well, it could go either way. They they are either being killed. I, I agree. I don't think they're becoming ro- robotic automatons. Uh, but there could be an ending where um, everything's fine and they were able to get the circuitry out of the humans. doesn't really tell us. But this is also, I think, the second part of a three-parter. So who knows? Okay. 
there's a there's a man with like a captain's hat in the background and, and he's like shocked and then ship starts attacking him and he thinks he's about to die but then angel swoops in and and uh and then we get a two-page spread um a couple of things happening on this page you know the man's like oh am i dead you're an angel but you call your skin color's all wrong and oh my god you're one of those mutants help me help me and uh then we get on the other side of this two-page spread kind of a neat picture of ship kind of like looks like he's sort of bending over and shooting out of all his tendrils into the buildings and the ground it's kind of cool yeah it's like a uh like a building that has sentience yeah absolutely which is what ship is essentially <laughs> um and i kind of like this idea and it, and it definitely lends itself to your sort of like action movie um premise uh we get our credits here uh, Jim Lee and Will Sportacio are working on the plot, which is interesting to me. I think um, that was the same as last issue. I agree. Chris Claremont's working on the script. Will Sportacio is on the pencils. Art Thiebert, Thiebert on the inks. I've always pronounced it T-Bear. I don't know why. Sure. Let's do that. Um, Pat Brosau is the letterer. Oliver slash Bucoletto. Is it Oliveri? Oh, it may be. Oliveri? Sure, let's go with that. On the colors, Bob Harris is the editor and Tom DeFalco is the editor-in-chief. And so um, I think it's it's interesting that you've got – and we'll talk more about this a little bit later about sort of Louis Simonson's time on, on X Factor. But uh, with with almost no fanfare, here comes Jim Lee and Will Sportacio taking over the book, drawing it, plotting it. And it's kind of weird to me that Jim Lee's involved in any way here because he's not he's not penciling. He's not inking. He's just helping Wills with the plot. Meanwhile, you've got Chris Claremont who's like, hey, guys, I've been doing this for like 20 years. Like maybe I could just take a shot at the, you know, the story, the plot and the script. Yeah. So I just wonder if this was like, I mean, obviously, we, we know that that things don't don't go well for those relationships. But I'm sort of wondering, is is Chris Claremont just kind of like, I'm just happy to be here? Or is he looking at Bob Harris and Tom DeFalco and like, what the guys, what what's happening here? This is a slow out with the old and in with the new sort of thing. Right. I agree. Which is funny because they're putting all their chips down on these people that are not going to be here for more than a, a year. They don't know that. Well, I know. I know. We know that. They don't know that. <laughs> but, um, it's yeah. It's a gamble, and they lost. So it's an interesting creative team. I guess you could I guess you could kind of look at it like what's happened in, in the modern era of X-Men, where sort of a new creative team comes in helmed by somebody, like, you know, currently, or I guess just finishing Jonathan Hickman, uh, but before that, it was it was that other guy whose name I continue to forget. Um, and so I sort of wonder is is are they is this like an early version of that where Jim Lee is is basically taking in as the ex architect without really having that tar- uh, title? Maybe feels like that early prototype for that. This is what we're gonna do, guys. Definitely don't know, uh, but yeah, I mean that does make sense. It's kind of. Although he he doesn't really have anything to do with the Rob Liefeld type stuff. Yeah, and, and I agree with with the kind of. So that's why I sort of it feels like this is sort of an 
early prototype of of things to come in the future where the new hot writer comes in and he's like, let's do all this stuff. And it's weird because Jim Lee's not really a writer at this point, although he definitely seems to want to get involved in it. I think that's where the money is. I don't know. Uh, I think it's just a matter of like, you know, these guys are making us lots of money, so let's just let them do what they want to do. Oh, and sure. Portatio's like, I'm not really a writer, but my buddy Jim Lee uh, sure is. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> or thinks he is. Or maybe two two heads are better than one. Sure. Like, we're both not writers, but maybe together we can equal the writer. But none of us know how to script, so we still need Chris for that. That is That is a little bizarre. I guess I've always felt like plots and scripts go hand in hand. But I guess with the, with the with the Marvel method of the way of letting the artist, I mean, maybe this is just an example of the Marvel method. Like, and they're they're finally saying like, look, we're tired of the way the Marvel method works. Like, we we always work out the plots in advance. We just want credit now. Yeah, it could be. That could be. Yeah, yeah. Maybe you're right. Maybe maybe this is just putting credit where, and the process really hasn't changed. Yeah, I don't know. Hmm. Well, on the next page, we we see various heroes uh, helping to defend the city and save innocent folks, such as Captain America, the Thing, Cap- Torch, some Avengers, some Fantastic Four, She Hulk's there, She Hulk's. She makes some quips that it's like this. This is more appropriate for some of my adventures, which is obviously a, says the attack of the Mile High Psychotic Starship. With a title like that, you'd think it was out of one of my own adventures. What comes next? Return of the Terrible Toadmen? Because she breaks the fourth wall. Yeah, which I'm guessing is a reference that She-Hulk fans are like, oh, Toadmen! Probably. <laughs> or or not. I think the Terrible to- Toadmen was a thing in She-Hulk, sure. if I recall correctly, but I honestly don't remember. I don't know. I can't remember that I, far back. I think in my entire life I've read maybe three She-Hulk issues, and two of them were for this show. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, Archangel Archangel is outside of the ship, but the rest of X-Factor is inside of the ship trying to figure out what's happening. And well, Something's happened with Jean Grey where she uh, is she taps into the ship's psyche, I guess. Yes. And uh, the ship is sick or dying. Uh, she she has some circuitry over her face temporarily. I, mean, I guess this is just to signify that she's getting into the mind of the ship. Yeah. And I, this dude's synapse, I guess, is sort of a, like a virus for the this ship. This is hard drive. Synapse was the guy oh. that attacked her last issue okay. and turned her into a little girl. And then she mysteriously... Defeated, but we we never saw how. Oh, she does say, hardest synapse hit me, Scott. I gave him a lot. I gave him back a lot better. So this is something different. A voice in my head crying out in rage and terror, lashing out blindly in a desperate attempt to defend himself. Cyclops, it's ship. He's sick. He's dying. You really should have gave him a better name than ship. Why didn't ship choose his own name? Maybe. I think he did. He's like, I will be ship. Wouldn't you rather be Oscar? Sure. Oscar the ship. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's when hard, <laughs> hard Drive says he, he chimes in. Uh, precious good, your insights will do. Once Hard Drive shuts you down as permanently as I did your traitor ship. And that basically knocks Gene out for the count. Well, some tentacles come out of ship and uh, 
grab her around the throat. Yeah. Restrain her, uh, but she's she's pretty much knocked out for a while here. But Beast and Iceman quickly realize that their powers can defend themselves against the tentacles, which is a silly thing to have happen. <laughs> and this is kind of the non-Chris Claremont type stuff where uh, Beast is like, Mutating the essence of the ship's physical structure and animating it distinctly in a distinctly hostile mode. Figure that one all. Figure that one out all by yourself, huh, Beast? Now talk about telling us something we don't know. Right. I don't know. Doesn't feel like Chris Claremont to me, but well, I mean, maybe it's been a while since he's touched these characters. Exactly. It's been a while since he's touched the characters, and and really, who's been sort of controlling the voice of these characters for the last you know five or six years? Yeah. Not any of this creative team. So it sort of makes sense that he's lost those voices. Cyclops gets a telepathic something or other from the ship who says, Nathan Christopher, target, danger. And they all head down the nursery X Factor on the double. Someone's after my son. This part I was confused about. So there's. Oh, Angel's back. He is. (laughs) Now he's back in the ship. So. Okay, no, no, and, and we will learn that there really is no trouble getting in and out of the ship, but it's sort of interesting that he was outside of the ship helping with some of the damage, and, and now he's just here. Yeah. <laughs> it's it, it's just part of the confusion. There's a there's a topical reference where Angel says, uh, Team, we've got to do something pronto before Manhattan starts looking like downtown Beirut. Oh, okay. Yeah, which that's... Uh, Something that I don't think we've, us in the media, not us in the media, the media hasn't referenced since, what, 1988? (laughs) Wasn't there a concert for Beirut or something? There's a band called Beirut. (laughs) I'm sure there was a concert for Beirut as well. I don't remember. I mean, Beirut was effectively uh, a similar conflict like Ukraine is today. Right. So you could replace that with ukraine and then 20 years from now people will be like i don't know what who <laughs> too young for this i guess it'd be 30 years but anyways <clears throat> topical references so in the nursery there's this like red devil dude who I don't, did, did we meet him last issue probably maybe he was one of the ones who uh apocalypse didn't ask how he was going to attack his arch enemy Maybe because his object of this mission was to kidnap Nathan Christopher. Sure. <laughs> He's referring to the boss, and I, I guess we could infer that the boss is um, Apocalypse. But then this like other feral character who kind of looks like Gene, but isn't Gene. I think it's supposed to be uh, Rachel, but I don't. Rachel I, Summers? I think so. But I don't really know. And oh, I'm, the, maybe. I the guess. only reason I'm guessing that is because at the end she says she's Nathan's sister. Um, you think she's from the future? Like, not, I, not, I, not only I, our Rachel is from the future, do you think this is a different Rachel from a different future? I think this is a different Rachel from a different future. Okay. I honestly don't know, and I, I'm, I'm kind of wondering if this character ever comes back. I don't think so. Because she, she jumps in, she's got an X-Men uniform, but she's got, like, like pouch arms uh, and, a, and a big gun. So it's not Jean. Her hair is red-ish, but it's more brown, brownish-red, auburn, if you will. Uh, and she, she comes flying in, and, uh, you know, this devil dude's like, who? And she's like, 
Nothing, perhaps, from the Lord Nathan villain, but everything to fear from his chosen and sworn protector. So it feels like a new character has just popped into our reality to to help save Nathan. Yes, from the future. Yeah, and she's got she's got like a Oop. psychic knife, um, but it's not it's not Psylocke. Unhand him, creature. Apocalypse will never claim him. So that confirms our suspicion that the red guy is working for Apocalypse. She also seems to have like like a phoenix tattoo on her forehead, but then she's yeah. got like a cybernetic implant on her eye. Well, the Will Spartatio loves these cybernetic implants, so I'm pretty sure every character he will introduce <laughs> will have some sort of cybernetic something somewhere. Sure, and it, it's fine. I just. I, I don't know. Normally, when you introduce like this a, a new character from the future who's going to play an important role, you know, you kind of have them pop in elsewhere, and they're, they're like, "Oh, uh, mission successful! I made it. Nothing is going to stop me from from saving my future." But it all starts with finding Nathan and making sure he doesn't fall into the arms of Apocalypse. Cut to whatever story, whatever conflict, and then the character showing up to be like, "I'm here." But this is just like, boom, here I am. This is an action comic where everything happens in the middle of an action scene. <laughs> so there, there's no, there are no scenes that are not at the beginning or end of an action scene. Right. So they have to fit her into some sort of action scene. And I didn't even catch that she said that he's her sister. Is it on this page? It's on the last page. Oh, okay. Well, I'll have to look for it because that... Should have been like a stunning reveal, and I completely missed it. But uh, they they play it out like it's a stunning reveal. Okay, I just we wasn't knew paying you attention. were at the hazard, but not not the precise nature until I psych waved in. Should have realized it'd be apocalypse. He wants to savage you the way he did our father. That's another reference. I'm mm. assuming Cyclops is their father because we know that Nathan is sure. Cyclops' son. So uh, I wish I had the power to uh, spare for more than a mind tag, whatever that is. These are the last moments of your childhood, the end of innocence. So it seems like, well, I think part of the reason I wasn't paying attention to this is that I don't feel like this goes anywhere based on what I think I know about Nathan Christopher's ultimate destiny. Yeah, and part of it feels like this is a thing that they're a road that they were traveling down that they uh, somebody changed their minds on. Yeah, full cow goes her gun, which is a great sound effect. And the other thing, well, I guess she does say like, yeah, I, I, I did gather, and and she clearly says that that she's not working for Apocalypse, but I guess as I was not terribly paying attention to the issue, I just thought she was some other sort of bad character who thought she was doing a good thing. Kind of like the Morlocks. Whenever the Morlocks kidnap some th somebody, they're not really doing it for evil purposes. They're they're doing it for what they think is like a better purpose. It's sort of a vibe I got from this character, but I'm I'm wrong, I think. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> this is Cyclops' daughter from the future. Full cow! Yes. Uh, and then they attack her. Yeah, because they don't know who it is. Uh, X-Factor shows up and is like, hey, who's this woman who has red hair and was wearing a kind of X-Factor-ish outfit? Yeah. Let's get her. She, her uniform is almost identical to our uniform. Shoot her. <laughs> Archangel, she's yours. I want her able to talk. Right. And so he, he launches a bunch of uh, uh, spikes, who, and she knows 
Feather spikes, too fast for even my scan-eye to follow, too many to dodge, laced with neural synapse disruptor that instantly paralyze whomever they strike. This is Archangel! So this is very similar to uh, Psylocke always describing what her psychic knife is. <laughs> Every time Archangel uses his knives, it's generally him who explains exactly the neural disruptor nature of those knives. But, well, somebody's got to explain it. Yeah, yeah. She continues, what have I done? I've attacked the Chosen's family, so Nathan is the Chosen. I don't know if that has anything to do with the Twelve, but probably not. Ah, uh, who knows. And then the devil dude, whatever his name is, he's like, yoink, pulls the, <laughs> the baby uh, floating cot away from, I guess, Rachel, uh, and he teleports away. Vamp. Good moves, too. Don't know who you are, but I can't wait to face you again. Vamp. Yep, that's what he sounds like. <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> uh, we get our only shot of Apocalypse with like a weird... And he's not even saying anything. He's just there. grin in which another character says, doesn't matter, Furball. Ha ha, your fate's already filled. Ship system... This must be hard drive. Ship yeah. system 73% corrupted. Master dominance of central core imminent... And to keep X-Factor occupied in the meanwhile, teehee, and we get this shot of Apocalypse with a very happy, excited face. I wonder if Will Spertacio had wanted Apocalypse to say, like, good job, hard drive. <laughs> Way to go. Or something. <laughs> um, it, the rate Prior to that, the Rachel's like, or, yeah, future Rachel's like, oh, if I come to here only for nothing, and she cuts a hole in the wall and i guess she jumps out we barely had time to register what she was doing before she was gone she was so fast i didn't even have a chance to stop her with my optic blasts which he yells but you nailed her to the wall <laughs> with well that was angel with the knives he's I, way she, faster she couldn't have been that fast <laughs> uh well her scan eye makes her go faster of course. Yeah. <laughs> I need a description of her scan eye. I need to know what the scan eye is, Chris Claremont. Yeah. Uh, her actions appear to put her at odds with the first group who attacked us. This is Beast talking, even though the word balloon is pointing at hard drive. Uh, does that make her another foe or a possible ally? Right. Yeah. And and so uh, I made my Morlock analogy earlier, but I don't think that's as accurate as the nanny um, comparison where bad things were happening and then, and then Nanny was also there, thinking that she was doing a good thing for people, but you know, ultimately being a bad thing. So that's that's sort of the the role that I gave this character in my mind yesterday when I read it, <laughs> when I was completely wrong about everything. Beast is wearing cybernetic headphones. I just want to point that out. Well, he's doing a lot of research and trying to figure out how to crack this case. So he needs. Yeah. Uh, he's got like a backpack and yeah, cy he's cybernetic. He's tapped into ship. Yeah. There was some other character, I feel like, last issue that had uh, what looked like Robotech headphones. <laughs> and this feels very non-Cyclops when he says, Use your powers, Iceman, instead of your mouth. The results may surprise you. <laughs> yes, sir, Leader Man, sir, responds Iceman. This, is, this doesn't feel like Chris Claremont either. This feels like... I, Jim Lee is like, hey, make sure you put in – we wrote a couple of lines of dialogue. <laughs> Can you work these in? <laughs> I don't know. It, it seems like they're trying to you know, do some witty banter. But the nice man does say, way to go, which is classic Claremont. Yep. So the uh, yeah, the ship can't 
defeat Iceman's cold or Archangel's wings. Yeah. The ship's tentacles that are attacking them again. Meanwhile, uh, outside the police department's there. Jonesy is there, and she's got she's got a pistol on her hip, but she's also got like this pistol shotgun thing. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> it's like it, it's a it's like a sawed off shotgun because it's got the pump on it, but then the handle's just like a pistol. So if you cover up the pump, then it just kind of looks like a gun with a silencer on it. But when you reveal that there's a pump on it, it's like okay, it's like a pistol shotgun. I'm guessing that he started drawing a shotgun. <laughs> Ran out of room. <laughs> realized that the hand was a little bit too close and was just like, oh, well, this is a small shotgun. Yeah, it's a, it's a pistol shotgun. <laughs> yeah, and that, that sort of tracks because, um, you know, not to, to nitpick, but the like the stock of the gun seems to be facing one way, facing towards us, yeah. whereas the pump seems to be facing the ground. So it yeah, feels like yeah. there's a weird skewing issue with the gun, but in any event, she's like, she's basically in a pose of like, over here! Uh, but with all of this crazy chaos happening and tendrils all over the place and apparently people getting killed or at least wounded, these guys are like, oh, your mutant boyfriends are in there. Yeah, she's with a bunch <laughs> of police officers who are, for some reason, uh, because of Chris Claremont, finding the time to... Uh, nag at her about her mutant boyfriend which i guess is what you do if you're a mutant hater wear your superhero uniform because <laughs> she had an x uniform a few issues ago to keep warm uh but take a look at these police uh police belts <laughs> they have guns but then they have lots and lots of pouches so even the police officers in the marvel universe <laughs> oh and and he's the, the one cop that's kind of off to the left he's also got a pistol shotgun so this oh, is cool. this is the thing that Will Sportacio is trying to make happen. Yeah, the, he's he's a, he's making suggestions for the police force of New York City. And the funny thing is, is that even though he is he's in the background, so he's easily ten feet back behind Jones, <clears throat> the pump on that gun is the same size as Jones' pump, so his gun's like way bigger than her gun. So he he drew the her gun first, yeah. and he was like, "I'm gonna make this a thing. This guy's gonna have it too." Yep. But the cop so that, that way it won't look like I made a mistake, right? But the one cop that's like really giving it to her, he just has a pistol. One more dipstick crack like that, Reuben. Sergeant Jones won't have to do the honors. I'll bust your pathetic chops myself. I appreciate the thoughts, Schlesinger, but I can fight my own battles. <laughs> So she got a promotion. She's no longer Officer Jones. She's Sergeant Jones. Uh, and they approach the ship. And the one cop, I think, with the pistol shotgun says, Hey, we can't go in there. It's only for moots. The term is mutants, Alvarez. I don't know why all these cops have to have names, but whatever. <laughs> well, she goes through the barrier and nobody else is able to get through the barrier. So is nobody is oh, you're right, a mutant okay. or is the ship just letting her in? I wish... That I think it's the latter, but I wish that um, that panel was a bit bigger because as I just kind of glanced over it, I was just like, oh, all these kid cops just ditched her. <laughs> she <laughs> she went in there like the hell with this. We're going down to the bar. But yes, <laughs> if you look at the panel a lot closer, you can definitely see the cops are trying to push up against it in there. Yeah. The other thing that kind of confused me is that Jonesy is making her way into the ship um, but based on the feet locations of the other two cops, they look like they're a good foot behind her. So it kind of doesn't make sense that they're pushing up against the 
Well, I think an off-panel but... cop is pushing against the wall. That's right. not one of the ones we see. The other, These guys are ready to hightail it. Hey, Alvarez, Ruben, Cameron, Kasanov, Buchanan, Schlesinger, Shetterly, anybody? Yeah, so Chris Claremont like had a naming dictionary. He's like, <laughs> who do I want? And then he got stuck in the S's and just like, yeah, Schlesinger and Shetterly. We'll go with those. It's... It's not a thing you do if you're with a group of people. You don't name them all off. You just say – you go straight to anybody. Hey, where'd you guys go? <laughs> I'm actually a little surprised that these last names aren't like Marvel bullpen last names. I feel like they're they, – they, maybe they're a reference to something, but I don't know what they're a reference to. Oh, probably. Uh, or maybe uh, maybe Claremont wrote those in. He's like, uh, Nascenti, Simonson, Harris. <laughs> Etc. And they're like, no, we don't do that anymore. Oh, all right. I guess it's Alvarez, Ruben, Cameron, Kassenhoff, Buchanan, etc. Do you think these cops are coming back and that's why they're getting names? No. There's going to be a uh, a new comic starring the cops featured in from X Factor. That's the title. The Maybe. cops featured from X Factor. Who's the Who's the cleanup crew? The superhero cleanup crew? Damage control. Damage control. So yeah, it's uh, you've seen damage control. Now. Read Jonesy's Cops. <laughs> NYPD X unit. Yeah, there you go. And then NYPD X. Uh, it's constantly Jonesy uh, sticking up for the mutants, but man, Shetterly and Cameron, they just give her the business and they and just she always never learn. To everybody by their last names every time she talks to anybody. Adam, that's how cops talk to each other. Haven't you watched I think TV? So. I think this is true to life. What was. Don Johnson's first name in Miami Vice. <laughs> Johnson? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Vice? No. I, I I don't think I've ever watched that show. Oh. Well, the two cops were, were referred to. Or the to... movies that came out of it. Oh, I never watched the movies. Uh, Tubbs and Crockett, right, were the two cops. I don't oh, know okay. what Tubbs's uh, first name was. Miami Tubbs and Vice Crockett? Sure. Uh <laughs> Crockett's first name was Sonny, but they all, all the cops always referred to them as Tubbs and Crockett. So there you go. So do you think this is like, hey, Alvarez? Ruben? Yeah. Cameron? Kasanoff? Buchanan? Yeah, I don't, I don't think she's doing like, I think it's that. I don't think she's doing like a roll call um, immediately. She's like, literally, where are you guys? I saw you coming in with me. It should take you two minutes to read this word balloon is what right. you're saying. Okay. And she she does turn around to, to face the door, right? So I don't know why she doesn't just like poke her head out and be like, hey, you guys coming? And then on the next panel, she's in an elevator. So I don't know what's going on. Well, she even makes a reference of like, oh, elevators, I hate these. You never know what's going to be inside or outside. Yeah, that feels like Chris Claremont making up for something that made no sense. Right. I was like, what? Oh, she's in an elevator? Oh, man, jeez. Every time she goes to like a hospital that's got an elevator, she's like, oh, gosh. Another <laughs> elevator. You just, you just never know what's inside or outside. I really put in my life. All right, let's do it. Let's go on to the, go on to the second floor. The elevator opens and she's got her gun drawn like every time. People are just <laughs> like, well, uh, we're running a business here. Sorry, you, you, just know, ne- though. you just never know what's happening out here. What's your last name? Is it Alvarez? <laughs> Uh, meanwhile, yeah, uh, Gene is, is getting a piggyback ride from Beast, and Beast has, this is what I would call um, a Robotech um, earpiece, 
right? Because it's got like the the mouthpiece and then some antennas going off to the side, and it's it's too big for whatever it's supposed to be. It's yeah, it's his connection to ship somehow. This part confused me because they have they they are now able to talk to Jonesy, but Jonesy is not in the same room as them. It took me a few pages to realize that she wasn't in the same room with them. Right. The call is coming from inside the ship, is effectively what, what we're reading. My word, it's Officer Jones. Sergeant, no, thank you very much. Didn't Warren tell you about my promotion? Angel's like, why are you here? What are you doing here, Charlotte? Haven't shouldn't you? it shouldn't it be, didn't Worthington tell you my, my promotion finally came through? Well, she only calls cops by their last names. Everybody oh, else gets okay. a first name. Yeah. <laughs> But then she does call him Wings after a while. My job, Wings. My job, Wings. wings. Yep. Haven't you seen the mess your ship's making? He's sick. And she gets attacked by a giant green arm. Yeah, thus justifying her um, fear of elevators. Holy mercy. Yeah. <laughs> Scram, says the arm. <laughs> so Beast ties himself into the ship with some chair that is there. That he there. just built. <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, Forge built that, you know, a few issues back. It's like, you might need to uplink with ship at some point. So I'm just going to build this chair for you. So he had, is he still wearing the, uh, the earphone thing? No, I I don't know. It feels like that's gone or can't really tell because his head is sort of shrouded in wires and things. He's really tied into this chair too. It like covers his legs. So it seems like to get into this thing and get out, it probably is a bit of an ordeal. Yeah, it looks painful. Like his arms are sort of like wrapped, outstretched and wrapped behind him. And I don't know why that's necessary. This is a very strange device. <laughs> yeah. As as far as a computer interface goes, it makes it very uncomfortable for the, the user. His legs are fully encased in metal. His chest has like just a restraint around it. And it seems like the only thing you would need, because oh, let's 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 leap to let's make the leap of faith that interfacing with ship is a painful thing. So it would make sense that you would need a chair and a helmet, uh, and then maybe a couple of things to kind of hold you back. But but this is like where you would put us. This is where you would put the juggernaut if you captured him. Yeah, <laughs> this, is, this is a prison. Yes, uh, Jean Grey looks like she's standing up, even though she's still unconscious. I think, yeah, I think she's supposed to be laying on the ground, but... Cyclops and Iceman are shooting at unseen assailants, presumably the ship tentacles. Right. This this is not good. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, uh, so Beast is going to try to reason with the ship, or... Ship is like, hey, I'm going to take off now because I'm causing a lot of damage and I have just enough power left to take off. So he fires off into space with a big chung, ka-ching, ka-chung. And uh, I think he says he's going to self-destruct. Uh, sorry, guys. <laughs> yep. I wish I could do something about the fact that you were on board, but... Uh, and he, he says, like, I feel bad about this, but, you know, I, I have enough cognizance to make this one decision, and I don't have time to let you out. I don't have time to discuss this with you, so uh, we're all going to die. Apologies. Sorry. Uh, and so... <laughs> We cut back to Jonesy, and then this is where I was confused. It was like, wait, what happened to Jonesy? But then, oh, she's in a completely different room. Okay. Maybe How she's is just, it communicating? Oh, it must be with Beast. Maybe she's just on the other side of the elevator. Well, it's it's weird because, like, one page they're talking to her. The next page they don't even mention her at all. And then the next page we cut back to her and Angel shows up. Yeah. I was just confused. He He flies through what looks like dirt, but it's – 
more ship uh Surprising everybody, uh, saves Jones, and then the is this guy from the last issue. I recognize the guy that was two people who merged into one person in the background there. I don't recognize this green guy. I don't know, but he we don't see this. But one of the guys, I don't remember who who this guy is. Uh, so does this mean we had speculated at the last at the end of the last issue that X Factor tied everybody up or something? I guess they didn't. Oh, because we didn't see they they kind of like repelled the attack. Yeah, and we didn't see where the the monsters were, and we're like, oh, okay, well, maybe they put them in jail. But I guess they they just left them. They, they just left, and they're like, let's go to a different part of the ship for a few minutes, and then we'll come back and remount an attack. But somewhere off panel, this guy comes in. He's like, "Master's orders. They're targets for another time." He sounded recall, and then they teleport away. Yeah. Uh, we don't see it. I mean, that could have been a good use of that apocalypse panel to be like, all right, look, guys, you got 10 minutes to get this whole thing situated. And if you can't, then we'll, we're just going to try it some other time. I have another plan. Or he could have just been shouting recall. Right. Right. Just add a, it's add a word balloon to that half smiley face apocalypse where he says recall. Right. Exactly. And move it a little bit further into the issue. Or maybe these guys have little communicator watches and apocalypse on there. It's like, recall, we'll do it again some other time. But whatever. They teleport out and they're gone. And so now it's just X-Factor and Jones in the ship who's flying into space to explode himself. What is this to you? Some kind of stupid game? You're talking about killing each other. It's like, get with the program, lady. <laughs> that guy almost killed you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I think there's... There's a couple of jokes that are being made, and Jones well, she well, doesn't appreciate she, this at all. She she's like, we're uh, the guy. The guy that just grabbed her says he sounded recall. You're lucky, night flyboy. And then, uh, you know, it's it's machismo getting thrown back and forth. Anytime, Gauntlet, we'll be waiting and ready. And she's. Uh, it would be better if she had said, "You men and your stupid machismo," or something like that. Sure. But, it's it's okay, right? It's definitely sort of grounding it. You know, and this would have been a good thing. Well, to they're have. they're trying to do a thing where like she was realizing that Archangel is a kind of a scary guy. Yeah, it would have been nice to have sort of an extended sequence where she's like, you know, based on like everything I just saw in the conversation that you just had, like this is a game to you, but we're down there, we don't have powers, and we're dying. This isn't a joke, right? And that could have been a nice moment to be like, oh. And then Nightcrawler, Night, Nightcrawler, uh, Archangel could have been like. I don't care. Right. I'm Batman. <laughs> I'm Batman. <laughs> I'm Wingman. I'm Wings. I'm Batman's Wingman. So Cyclops tries to reason with ship. It's not working. So then Cyclops uh, gives a emotional um, monologue, which I guess is supposed to like be like, I'm the leader and I'm going to yeah. reason with you and we're going to solve this problem. I you, but I hated this. <laughs> no, it was terrible. It was awful. <laughs> You talk about your hatred of Apocalypse and absolute refusal of being enslaved again. Yeah, you're perfectly well uh, uh, prepared to cede him a great victory. He's got my son. You can't let him do this. Is that what you want? In one stroke, you're rid of him, the only being who's ever beaten him. Yourself and us. And then some tubes go flying all over the place and, and seem to attack. Beast is, by the way, um, out of his chair. Um, He's out of his chair. He's got his... Uh... Head little headset head, headset back on well, there's wires now attached to the headset which m probably is attached to the the chair maybe still maybe um and ice is like geez i sure hope this isn't the answer cyclops i am unable to main the integral security of this compartment 
Nor can I counterman my previous directive. The self-destruct order remains in effect. Cyclops says, Beast, plug yourself in. Why'd you get out of the chair anyway? <laughs> like 30 seconds. Like, just stay in a damn chair. Uh, okay. Don't ask for much, do you, fearless? Pull off this genius, and I may even forget about asking you to quit calling me that. Because apparently this is a regimented military option where utmost respect is always demanded of Cyclops. Or he just dislikes fearless for some sure. reason. So, you know, it's a fearless leader reference, so maybe he's just like, ugh, shut up. With such incentive, Mon Brave, how can I refuse or fail? So he pops back into the chair. With, you know... Just in the next panel. Yeah. Whoops. Here I am. <laughs> he doesn't even need help, apparently, to do this. I don't really know what's happening here, but Iceman, he lets out a bunch of ice. Beast is is really straining to do something. They're getting attacked by more tentacles. Yeah. Not that we can see. But, like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's 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 the, pro- the problem with this whole issue is, like, we just see them attacking things. And they're, it's the text that tells us that these are... These are tentacles that are slightly more stronger than the previous tentacles. All we're seeing is like a bunch of reactions where I feel like every other panel should be like the reaction, the attack, the reaction, the attack, the reaction, the attack. Uh, And then you can be like, oh, my gosh, yeah, there's a lot of crazy crap happening here. But this is all just like, oh, my God, this is awful. Ah, here they come. Oh, my God, there's more. Shoot it. Jonesy has a huge gun now, which, (laughs) you know, Chris Claremont has to explain. Nice hardware that gauntlet packs, man. Man's a walking arsenal, so it's like a, it's like for I just feel bad for Chris Claremont. It's like, oh my god, what's happening? Now? Okay, fine. these guys really need to learn pacing because like I need to explain everything here. Mm-hmm. Where'd she get this gun? Uh, hey, Wills, Jim, where'd she get this gun? <laughs> uh, Cyclops then yells, "Beast, we're out of time." Beast says, "Don't you think I know that systems initialize ship, enable, and execute now?" And then we get a full-page explosion of ship. I'm guessing the execute now is probably a hacked teleport. But I oh, think man. that's my guess. Yeah. I don't know. Um, Either that or they all died. I mean. <laughs> that's that's probably not what happened, but maybe. <laughs> um, and I think this series, this three-part issue, is basically we need to get rid of ship because yeah. we're doing X-Men 1. We're going to put all the X-Men. We're going to have gold team, blue team. And, and we're going to make Nathan. X- and maybe Nathan, right? And and we're going to have a more grounded X Factor, so we just need to get rid of ship, and so this is how they're doing it. Yeah. Meanwhile, uh, back on, on Earth, the mystery lady with, like, bionic arms, the same headset as Beast was wearing. She stole Beast's headset before she left. Uh, That's with, canon. With the blue and yellow X uniform, she's like, no, because she sees this explosion in the sky. She's got a, she's got a cyber arm. Yeah, yeah. Her scan eye establishes that the vessel was 150,000 kilometers uh, away. Detonation force in the gigatung range, creating a blast core better than 200 kilometers in diameter, hotter than the heart of a sun. (laughs) Destruction is absolute. There was no mention of this event in the wreck scans. Merciful bright lady. That's where I got confused. Like, hey, that's that's a stormism. That's a reference. Yeah, it seems like it anyways. She must have grown up with Storm or something. Right? Has my intervention in this node somehow caused the death of the family? If no way of knowing. And only one means of atonement. The Chosen remains in the clutches of Apocalypse. My mission is to save him. And I swear I shall do, little brother, whatever the cost. So I did read that. 
And I glossed over it because how many times has Storm referred to Colossus as little brother? So I didn't oh. think it was like a literal, like, that's my little brother. But your your interpretation and reading makes a lot more sense than Interesting. how I read it. So I w- will agree that this must be a different Rachel. Well, it's either Rachel or a new character that Could this is be... also a redhead. And I don't know this. I probably should know this. Is this like an early echo of Hope Summers? It could be, but Hope Summers, I don't think, is actually related to the Summers family. Okay. I mean, we'll get there in 20 years, but I'm pretty <laughs> sure she, if I recall correctly, after M-Day and uh, and they, they got rid of no oh, more Oh, you're mutants, right. Yep. There were no more mutants being born as well, and Hope was the first mutant that was ever born. Which is why they named her Hope. Yep. yep they yep. they then cycle or uh, not cable kidnaps her it t- travels through time with her and she's hope summers because cable was her foster father mm. as they traveled through time being chased by bishop who was his future version his version of the future said that hope was uh going to destroy the future so he's trying to kill hope cable's trying to save hope because his future version of the future says no that's not true um it was good. It was actually I, I read all of that and I enjoyed it. Okay. Well, I read all most of the M Day stuff, but I didn't read any of that Hope stuff. It came several years after. Um, in any event, this uh, this issue ends, and the the next issue will be Lunar Impact. That's 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 one that's one heck of an impact. Sure it's is. Lunar. All right, I got nothing. That was lame. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I I skimmed through these uh, Apocalypse Manifesto files. They were annoying. Um, there, there weren't any cool notes like we had on previous ones. Spoilers. We get the same creative team for the next issue of X factor. Well, that makes sense. I mean, it's, I guess not a huge spoiler, but all right. Well that, yeah, that takes us to, uh, Excalibur number 37. This one was a mess. Uh, yes. Yeah. Excalibur is really struggling to, pick a lane <laughs> like what do they want to do <laughs> this one wasn't as uh so so the the art was the biggest problem in this one um yeah this style of artwork is not my cup of tea uh this particular artist whose name i don't know because it's let's see there it is mark badger i think um he doesn't really like drawing faces um and his bodies are very unusual. This to me looks like based on the cover, it feels like it could be an artist from like the DC vertigo line where story is a lot more important uh, than I shouldn't say that. Like the visuals are a little bit more surreal uh, in a lot of those books. I don't and, feel and like the visuals are surreal. I just feel like the art's not good. Well, the cover's got kind of a surreal nature to it. Um, yeah, I'll agree. Like the interior of the book is hit and miss more, more miss than hit. Uh, I, I don't it, mind the cover. No, I like the it, cover. The, yeah. Cause it's got a, like a, it's got a, it's got Dr. Doom and it's got a kind of evil fantastic four minus mm-hmm. Sue storm. And it's got kitty. You got, and it, it's fine. It's, it's, it's simple. It's explanatory. Like it's self-explanatory. You got a cool, heavily inked thing in the background with like spiky rocks on them. Yeah. And then you got like this very simple, but evil looking Reed Richards tying up Kitty. 
uh, Kitty's proportions don't look well. <laughs> like her body seems a little too too short, but but it also that sort of lends itself to the surreal nature of the cover. So yeah, and from a cover perspective, I I think it's uh I think it's good. Uh, but it, that doesn't really carry over into the issue. And I also sort of feel like, so this is a three-parter. It's uh, the Promethean Exchange, part one of three. Which just sounds like a 90s thing, the Promethean Exchange. Yeah. I mean. yeah. But I feel like they were struggling a bit to fill out three issues because this issue just feels like it's got a lot of unnecessary stuff happening. They're trying to bring back the tone to the silly Excalibur, which, you know, that's that's good. That's fine. The first yeah. few issues of Excalibur were silly mm-hmm. and kind of fun, and they're trying to bring that back. And uh, they're kind of successful, I guess. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see where this goes. I just don't think you can sort of capture that Alan Davis artwork Yeah, where he is drawing really good-looking silly things. Yeah. And... Yeah. And so I while this is a return to form, I, I just feel like it doesn't quite have the impact of, of Alan Davis. Um so Doctor Doom shows up. Jumping jumping way ahead, Doctor oh, Doom. There, there's some Adam, there's, you don't want to talk about the Braddock China and No, I uh, was gonna skip that. I was gonna say there's some shenanigans in the beginning. <laughs> that that was my summary. Megan's learning how to how to write and apparently Nightcrawler's his dedicated uh tutor which feels weird but anyways yeah you know they've got sort of a weird relationship going on so that makes sense to me she's also learning to cook pancakes and burns them yeah she serves uh flaming pancakes to rachel who's like yeah fine i'll eat them everybody's poking fun at her by saying stuff about past guys they mentioned the crazy gang Mm -hmm. tech net the uh the warwolves need their allergy shots and uh, Megan's like, oh, you guys, you guys are making fun of me because they don't believe that Dr. Doom just called and asked for Kitty. But turns out he absolutely did. Or I'm sure I don't know just... why they wouldn't necessarily believe that, because Kitty does have a prior relationship with Dr. Doom. Absolutely. Right. Um, I'm like... sure I'm sure this will just turn out to be a Doom bot, but we'll yeah, see. Maybe. Who knows? Dr. Doom doesn't do anything anymore. So Dr. Doom is there and he wants Kitty's help. Uh, because she is able to draw the Excalibur sword, which is in the front of the lighthouse. Which um, I had forgotten about. but I had totally forgotten about that as well. Kind of neat um, that they, they called back to it. And they even mentioned, Dr. Doom's like, yeah, that, that whole Inferno thing. Well, that was weird. But yeah, you should get that sword. And I need to get to Limbo, because in Limbo, there's this material called Prometheum. And Prometheum can give the Earth unlimited free energy. And they're sort of like, yeah, free and then you'll charge everybody. And he's like, no, I won't do that. Rachel, read my mind. And so she does. And she's like, yeah, I, he seems to be telling the truth. So you should go to limbo. I sense arrogance, the forced solitude of leadership. But nope, no real evil <laughs> per se. <laughs> so Kitty draws the sword. The uh, soul armor um, applies itself to her. She takes them or she takes her and Dr. Doom into limbo and then uh, the rest of Excalibur uses Widget and something else to create a dimensional door so that they can also go. Because they don't, I don't know that they fully trust Doctor Doom. They don't trust Doctor Doom. Yeah. They just want to keep an eye on Kitty. 
Um, Alistair, what's his face, shows up, makes a couple of jokes, and then leaves. <laughs> there um, is a. Uh, they mentioned that. Well, Brian makes a joke, which may or may not be a joke, that says "feed the lighthouse." Yes, yes. Um, but I guess now they're saying it's a sentient lighthouse. Well, I don't know if Alistair, because he's like that. Captain Britain isn't renowned for his sense of humor, huh? I wonder what a sentient lighthouse eats or what sentient lighthouses eat. So uh, to me, like this, this would absolutely be perfectly normal in Excalibur for the lighthouse to be sentient. Yeah, I I agree. I just wonder if this is, this is where we're establishing that the lighthouse is sentient. Sure. Or is this just a throwaway line? It could be either. It's comics. (laughs) The uh, lady of the lake happens to be there and she's like, ugh, these Excalibur morons, I need to go get real help. Yep. And we haven't, up until this point, seen the Lady of the Lake. Because yeah, she, she hasn't needed to show up. It, uh, and it's fine. Like, it, it's, a, <laughs> it's, a, it's a, you know, a, a what? Uh, I don't want to say London. It's a British. It's a my, British lore. Is it British lore? So, um, when I was doing some uh, electronic health records certifications when I used to work at Epic, uh, we had to go through, uh, GDPR, which may not apply to the UK. It's also very confusing, but uh, what they talked about is like the regulations and how they apply to various regions across the globe. And the United States is pretty easy. It's like the United States falls under HIPAA and, and PII and PHI. And there's that. But when you look at the UK, it's, it's the United Kingdom it's Britain, it's England, and, and there might have been a, a fourth term, and, and they all refer to different chunks of actual land. Um, so that's why I'm, I'm sort of struggling to, to say whether or not she's British lore, UK lore, she England is part lore. of the King Arthur and the right. Knights of the Round Table lore, whatever that may be. Yeah, and I don't know if that's strictly British, English. England. Let's say England. It might be wrong, though. Hopefully we have an English listener that's going to laugh and be like, yeah, you guys don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> that's true. We don't. We don't. Because I've I, even when they, they they had a very cute like flash animation of like, wow, when you say UK, you're actually meaning this. And when you say London, you mean this. And England and, and UK, blah, blah. And I'm like, nope, <laughs> I can't follow this. And even the video is like, yep, it's very complicated. Anyways, uh, Kitty and Dr. Doom make their way into limbo and some tentacles. I got confused about this because Kitty says, like, um, I am not the Sorceress Supreme here. Uh, but then later, that's going to change. Well, she says, until we arrive, I'm not even the Sorceress oh, okay, Supreme. okay. So she will be or she is the Sorceress Supreme now that they're there. Or so I don't know. So is this like a, a corridor to Limbo? Because maybe whenever we've previously seen Ileana go into Limbo, it's just like, boom, we're here. It's not like, okay, well, we're making our way into limbo through a tunnel. I'm not the, the Sorcerer Supreme yet, but I will be. The idea is that whoever holds the sword is the Sorcerer Supreme. At least that's what it becomes because yeah. Dr. Doom grabs the sword and he's like, now I'm the Sorcerer Supreme. Well, she he, deal. She gets tangled up from like these little monster tentacles and Dr. Doom's like, give me the sword. I'll, I'll help you. I'll save you. And it's like, what a thoroughly unforeseen complication. Yes. How could that have slipped my mind? Give me that sword. Kitty, yeah, right. And Kitty's like, uh, oh, thanks. Um, can I have the sword back? Uh, hey, I need the sword back. Nah. No, seriously, I need the sword back. 
Yeah, I'm the Sorcerer Supreme now. And then Doctor Doom reveals, like, now this is a double cross, and uh, oh, by the way, uh, I'm going to punch you, which is when Excalibur shows up. There was a little bit of a reference earlier for Doctor Doom to be like, yeah, I wanted to check in on my patient and see how you were doing. Kitty also was talking earlier in the issue, like, she's having trouble, she's practicing maintaining a state of phase or solidity, so there are definitely references to that whole X-Men versus Fantastic Four storyline. Which she's doing with the Braddock China, which seemed like an odd choice to practice on. Right. Let me take apparently what's the most important thing to Brian and super valuable uh, and not break it as I practice what is a dangerous move. Yeah. Yeah. But anyways. Meanwhile, the Lady of the Lake uh, shows – well, there's some some hilarity at the West Coast Avengers mansion. Uh and there's this line of dialogue where Scarlet Witch says to Simon Wonderman, like, stop ogling me, uh, which is weird because don't we in like a year or two find out that he's gay? Wonderman? No, Wonderman. I thought so. Wasn't it Wonderman? No, Wonderman has always been in love with Scarlet Witch. Oh, maybe I'm thinking of North Star probably. Probably, yeah. I thought there was some guy. It's possible that Wonder Man is gay now. I haven't keep, kept I'm like I'm not a Wonder Man follower. What? But I know in the pages of uh West Coast Avengers, Wonder Man has been in love with Scarlet Witch, who was married to Vision for a while, but now Vision's all uh white vision exists and he doesn't have any of the memories of old vision, so that's oh my all gosh. The thing. So this is from Marvel fandom Simon Williams. Obviously, things change. It's comics, and comics evolve with, uh, you know, what, what's happening in real life. Uh, but this says, uh, in uh, in this reality, oh, is this a different reality? Oh, Earth seven six three. So this is a different reality. In in whatever that reality is, uh, he and Beast are in a loving relationship. Oh, okay. Uh, but I thought. I'm just referring – it must have been Northstar because uh, I had read sort of the announcement of, you know, you know this summer, first gay character, uh, and he was getting his own issue number one, so I bought it, right? Because number one, it's an issue number one, and number two is like, ooh, this is like a, a big dynamic change. I'll be able to retire off of this issue. So Northstar outs himself in the pages of Alpha Flight. Right. Um, okay. Hmm. In a very like ridiculous super super heroic way, um, it's you know groundbreaking for the time, but also terrible in reflection. <laughs> Is it maybe problematic upon reflection? I don't think it's problematic. Okay. Like it doesn't quite approach that, but it's just so just so stupid the way that they do it. It's like I don't know. It's it's silly. Yeah. Um, it's superhero comics though, so they've got to make him coming out be a moment of superheroism. Yeah. And uh, it's just not it's not well written, I guess, is the point I'm trying to make. All right. Well, anyways, yeah, not I don't have a problem with any any of this. Uh, I was just it just it, it tickled a, a memory in the back of my mind. Uh, it's kind of silly to see Iron Man grilling because like it seems like a, a lot of overhead <laughs> to be like, I'm in my metal armor and I'm grilling hamburgers. But I guess does he still have a secret identity or no? Does the armor not get hot? It probably has some sort of well, resistant. Of course it does, but so everybody <clears throat> knows that in the everybody in the Avengers knows that Tony Stark is Iron Man at this point, but he's still keeping. He doesn't know that they know. No, so he's still keeping his secret identity. Okay, and they they don't actually know. They're just pretty sure. Tigra makes a a joke. She's like, "I like my burgers like I like my Ben or men," 
And he's like, raw? She's like, no, well done with lots of onions. Because <laughs> she eats men. I, I don't get it. Okay. Is that, is that what it is? She eats men? I guess so. Okay. I, I, for some reason, I didn't get that. I eat hamburgers and men. Okay. That's Whatever. really funny. It doesn't that's, matter. That's, that's like so funny. Yes, it's hilarious. So we get two pages of, of, or I guess a page and a half of some, some funny West Coast Avengers banter. And then the lady of the lake erupts out of the pool and she's like, Hey, um, Excalibur needs your help. It's very important. Dr. Doom's doing stuff. And if we, uh, if we don't help them, the all of England is going to be enslaved yep. or something. Total obliteration of English, England. So Tiger's like, I guess this means lunch is off. <laughs> And so uh, I guess they're going to go. Uh, meanwhile, Dr. Doom is... He's fighting Excalibur. Fighting Excalibur, sure. Uh, he's got Phoenix thinking that she has bested him. Oh, yes. But it's actually just in her head. This is kind and... of a neat sequence because it's just like uh, multiple ways that that Phoenix is beating Dr. Doom. So she's he's basically giving her like like resetting time if you will uh and then showing her a different way that he's bested her and to her she just thinks that she's bested him once even though it just keeps happening over and over again mm -hmm. it's kind of a neat idea and it's fun with in between panels you have captain Britain going excuse me phoenix and nightcrawler's earth to phoenix yeah. come in phoenix so i think they well dr doom either tells them or they realize what's happening uh, the biggest takeaway from this whole sequence here is that uh, Nightcrawler's like, oh, I just teleported. Uh, I got to teleport again in the risk. It's going to be, uh, it's going to strain me. And uh, oh, my gosh. Oh, I can teleport all over the place. I'm cured. And Dr. Doom's like, huh. Yeah, I hadn't considered this. Oh, well. So I guess he teleported into Dr. Doom's force field. Yes. And the electromagnetic force may have rejiggered his powers to not be painful anymore uh, whatever <laughs> yeah i mean the the limitation ever since uh um the mutant massacre was number one he couldn't teleport at all but then once he got healthier he could teleport like maybe once per day but it was so exhausting to try to do a second one that he was basically out of out for the count so kind of a neat um um result of of that attack but of course just like comics like it doesn't last it doesn't matter yeah it's it's weird that they made it sort of a, a physical recovery sort of thing like he had to train and he had to get himself back so that it was you would think that after a while he would just be able to teleport if he just continued practicing but i guess they got tired of waiting around for yeah. that and just been like well, let's just let's just cure it and say it was like a disease or something. Yeah, I think it would. Yeah, I think it would have been neater to to carry this on. And and as you say, like as he practices, we could even get like a danger room sequence at some point or lighthouse sequence. Where, I'm able to teleport fifty times before I get tired. Well, I, I wouldn't do fifty. I would still be like, oh my gosh, uh, six, a new personal best ever since I was attacked in the Morlock tunnels. And then some future episode or issue, he's like, oh, I've teleported my sixth time. I'm so tired. I don't know if I can do a seventh one. And then he does, and he saves the day. But they, they're done. They're done with that. He yep. can he can unlimited teleport. And that's fine. fine. Yeah. They they weren't they clearly weren't doing anything with that. Not really. Yeah. I think 
I think Chris Claremont had an idea. Well, actually, I I really feel like Mutant Massacre is just like, okay, we're done with these characters. They're they're depowered. They're wounded. They're just going to go back to normal life. And I want to like write stories with these new characters. And due to the popularity, they're like, oh no no, we need to throw them in all these different books. <laughs> and so yeah, they all right, but I want to write them. Yeah. Well, just a little bit, and then I'm going to stop. And then other At least as long as you'll let me. Yeah. So, yeah, then they fight some more. Uh, Captain Britain is really strong. Doctor Doom is really strong, and so they punch each other a lot. And then the issue basically ends with, like, deformed Marvel Universe characters uh, showing up. From the cover, even. Yep. We've got Mr. Fantastic, the Invisible Woman. Who looks more like a barbarian. <laughs> well, you know, they're very stylistically weird, so. Yeah, you've got like a skull Captain America, a wolfy wolverine, a, a scary beast. Like a bird beaked cyclops, which is kind of oh, weird. That is that is Wolverine. Wow. Yeah. I didn't even realize that. Yeah. He's only got two Hercules claws. Is, Hulk has some cool hair. Uh, I don't Spider-Man's know what's happening there. with Spider Man there. And maybe there's a Punisher in the background. Oh yeah, and there's Maybe. there's Thor with he's just a he's all helmet and mm. mouth. Yeah. But my favorite is the the bird beaked cyclops because that just doesn't make any sense. But <laughs> it's like, oh okay, whatever. And you got your thing from the cover in the background. Yep. Oh, and there must be this must be Ant Man in the front, or maybe the Lady Ant Man. Uh, uh, wasp. Wasp. Where where do you see wasp? In the foreground, up oh, in the upper sure. right corner. Sure. And then there's a bat character in the background. Maybe that's Archangel. Yeah, maybe. So, yeah. To be continued. So, Vic, you going to introduce this to your buddy or what, says Mr. Fantastic. Yeah, like uh, uh, salamandery Mr. Fantastic. And I guess they got to team up, is what they end up saying, more or less. So that takes us to New Warriors number 11, which uh, I was surprised for. I wasn't aware that this storyline existed. So this is like, uh, I mean, technically not in continuity with anything they were doing. So, I mean, none of these are are, our characters, right? Like this isn't our Wolverine or our Storm or, you know, this is another... This is another alternate future thing. Yeah, it's it's basically a it's days of well the cover's a little misleading, right? Cuz you got you got Wolverine and some Avengers attacking Nova. And yeah. the cover also says Forever Yesterday Part 1 of 3, which is like, well, I don't you know, not, we've got no clues as to what's happening based on this cover. It begins here, the most incredible warrior saga of all time. I might agree with that, not really knowing much about the new warriors, <laughs> but of what I've read. So it opens up and it's called Days of Present Past, and it's a very familiar panel. It looks just like Days of Future Past. Uh, and you're like, whoa, what's happening here? And it's basically an alternate, alternate future. Yeah. Yeah, where um, Storm is not a mutant. Um, you've got basically your 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 humans that have obtained powers through other methods um, hunting down mutants. So it goes all the way back to the times of Egypt, and something back in Egypt changed so that... Uh, through, through through time, yep. white people, the roles are reversed between right. black people and white people. Right. So Nova's uh, still a white guy, uh, but most of the, well, just about everybody else is, uh, yeah, is, is darker skinned. 
which is which is a neat idea. So not only are we doing sort of this whole you know uh, dystopian future of mutant persecution, but now we're also flipping the script on on on, on skin tone as well. Yeah, it's really neat. And then so Nova's kind of dealing with it, like, oh, I'm I'm like the minority on this team, and you know I'm never really included on you know what the rest of the team is doing, but I, I guess it's okay. I'm just lucky. To, I'm just happy to be here. But then he's also sort of questioning like their their battle against the mutants, and he's like, well, I'm not a mutant, you know, I got my power just like these other people did through other ways, but I, this just doesn't feel right. How dangerous can they be? They've never gone for the kill. Right. All right. They they always hold back. They never go to kill us. Like this just doesn't feel right. Um, so he's sort of struggling with that. Um, uh, we should point out that Sam and Angelica, uh, what's mm-hmm. her name? She's uh, the fire girl. Star. Starfire. Sure. No, that's from that's from DC, I think. Uh, Firestorm. Okay, sure. Is that what I don't it is? Know. I can't remember. Anyway, she's she's on the New Mutants. We've covered some of her issues yes. back when she was at the school with Emma Frost. Yes. Um, and also Vance, who I guess is Marvel Boy or Marvel Man. He's a mutant? I guess so. Okay. I didn't know that. But he's, those two are from the New Mutants or uh, New Warriors. Uh, Sam is obviously from the New Mutants. And they're on the run. And we have our Avengers show up, which is Black Captain America. Uh, I think Black Iron Man, although oh, yeah. I think he's he takes his armor off and he's I think he's Egyptian. The way they do skin tone here is like you have your brown and your kind of gray. Yeah, I think is for Egyptian or maybe Asian. Yeah, and then you have your peaches, your your white people. I was a little thrown off by the the gray skin tone. We see one of these guys. I don't know if this is supposed to be a Thor guy, but he's he's got an Ankh and an Egyptian outfit, uh, and he disintegrates Wolverine. Oh, yeah, I guess he is supposed to be a Thor guy. The disintegration of Wolverine is very similar to the Days of Future Past yep. disintegration of Wolverine. All that's left is like some skin on his hand. Otherwise, everything else is uh, burnt away and... I think it's Iron Man here. He's like, ah, oh, I didn't think the rumors were true. But he does have an adamantium skeleton. Always looking at things from an engineer's perspective, Iron Man says, I think this is Monica Rambeau. So oh, Mar- sure. Marvel. Sure. Yeah. Captain, Captain Marvel, Mrs. Marvel. I don't know. Yeah, and so it's it's basically Nova's kind of question. And you're right. We get a lot of uh, Egyptian symbols uh, throughout um you know, flying around New York or, or whatever, I guess it's called. It's probably called New Egypt. Um, and then we see the mutant hideout. Uh, and this is kind of neat, right? Because you got, you got normal beast, normal Magneto. You got a normal vanisher, a normal blob, um, juggernaut. But then you get some anomalies where you've got like a swank cyclops hanging <laughs> out with Lorna Dane. And, and maybe they're a couple. Maybe they're sort of a combination of... Uh, of Alex and, and Scott, but he's got, he's got a ponytail and he's got like a handlebar mustache. And then he's got like this knife that's like sheathed upside down on his uniform. It's pretty cool. Yeah. seems like the knife would fall out, but you know, whatever. It's strapped in there. <laughs> and then I'm guessing maybe this guy that's got the mustache up there is maybe that's the professor or do they kill the professor? Uh, we don't, yeah, it's a good question. They, we don't actually see the professor in this issue. They reference him. Um, 
talking about like some cerebro technology that they had stolen to track all these mutants down. Hmm. The, the other interesting thing is Juggernaut's here. So Juggernaut's a mutant and uh, he's eloquently spoken, right? So he's not. Yeah. So that these, a lot of these characters. Um, Everybody refers to Magneto as Magnus. Yeah. So are, is this the first mention of Magneto's first name being Magnus? I mean, obviously. I feel like that I was. I get confused because in the movies it's Eric. And yeah. I think in the comics it's also Eric. It becomes. I think he ends up becoming Eric Magnus Lencher. But I feel like Magnus was revealed somewhere around like the trial of Magneto back in issue 200. Okay. Maybe before that. So I don't think this is the first okay. um, instance of him being called Magnus. So Someone will tell us. Yeah. Guys. You dummies. It was exactly <laughs> this issue. Um, but the point here is that some of the mutants are almost identical to what they were in our reality, and some are very different. Yeah. And that's kind of neat. I like it. It is. And it follows the Days of Future Fast formula. Yeah. And then we get the backstory of like what happened in Egypt and how that sort of changed uh, the course of history, uh, which I, I'll be honest, I kind of skimmed past a lot of this. So if you've got anything to add, feel free. No, just that they call World War One the First Great War and World War Two the Second Great War. I thought that was a nice touch. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a panel of Captain America in the Second World War where he looks white. And I'm wondering if that's just a miscoloring. It's a good question. I don't know. I'm guessing it's going to be, I'm guessing that's a miscoloring. Yeah. But I don't know. I don't know evidence. We get a big old panel of a bunch of superheroes from this universe. We get the Fantastic Four. We get Spider-Man with his weird uh, variation on his outfit. Silver Surfer and the Hulk look pretty much the same. Cloak and Dagger have switched skin tones, mm-hmm. which is clever. Yeah. Uh, Colossus looks the same, except he's got baggy pants. Wolverine pretty much looks the same, except he has no uniform. Rogue the, looks the same. We can't really tell uh, about the Reed Richards and Sue Storm. Uh, they're black. Uh, we don't. Thing just looks different. Um, yeah, not thing quite is as thing. rocky. Um, yeah, Adam just, Warlock is there. He pretty much looks the same to me. Rogue he's looks got the gold same. skin still. Yep. Nightcrawler is the same. Uh, he's got like a ponytail thing, so I don't he's know. He's a little disheveled. Yeah, I don't know <laughs> if they're going for like... It's hard to tell since he's blue. So I don't know if they're trying to go with a different ethnicity or he's just blue and has a ponytail. Yeah. Who knows? We'll find out if he, if he shows up. Um, yeah. I don't know. It's kind of a neat little take. And then some Egyptian powerful woman shows her powers. I didn't it really... turns out that our Reed Richards uh, from our universe, who works for the Fantastic Four, doesn't have powers and is aiding the mutants. And the um, the black Reed Richards, who is I don't know his name. Let's see, do we do we say it anywhere? Deer, D E I R. Um, who is he? He agrees to work with Reed Richards because he wants okay. to do it right. So our Reed Richards is working with alternate reality Reed Richards. Oh, and this guy is. I think this guy is from uh, New Warriors. I think he's the father of Night Thrasher. The the guy, the black guy with the sort of white in his goatee? Yeah. Yeah, okay, okay. That that makes sense. So he's the Mr. Fantastic of this universe, and he's also the father of Night Thrasher in our universe. And I think Night Thrasher's name is Dwayne, because yeah. our 
Reed Richards says, I'm doing this for Franklin and Alicia, which makes me wonder, like, is he in a relationship with Alicia in this reality? No, those are his children, Franklin oh. and Alicia. So I don't know who Alicia is. Even for Dwayne, referring to, I think, this guy's son, Kid, Night yeah. Thrasher. Yeah, okay. Doing it for the future. So we don't know who Alicia is, but presumably we'll find out next yeah. issue. Maybe. Wow. I mean, obviously, uh, the Fantastic Four do have a uh, or Sue and Reed do have a daughter in Valeria mm-hmm. in our universe. Yeah, and then it ends on a, a not really a cliffhanger, but this this woman who is kind of reminded me of Serpentor. She stands up <laughs> and uh, she reveals that she's a woman and she's got some powers and uh, the planet and everything and everyone will burn in flames for all eternity. The Mutant Liberation Front versus the Avengers. The Madness of the Sphinx. Sage reveals the true history of the world and Nova makes the most fateful decision of his life. So, neat. I had no idea this existed. And I was, I guess this is sort of at my comic collecting lull. So there'd really be no reason for me to, to know about this. But I just feel like what little comics periphery I would have had would have led me to this. Like, remember days of future past? Well, check out New Warriors this summer. I got, I got to wonder because, like, New New Warriors was pretty hot at the time, and I mean, you know, and, and I'm wondering if that's because of Wizard. Um, oh, sure. So, but I never read it. I never. Re- then, oh, I read some New Warriors. I had the first issue, which is like a gold-covered reprint, and then probably starting around issue fifteen or twenty or twenty-five or some some number that wasn't you know not a zero or a five. Um, I started collecting a handful of issues, but I, yeah, this was nowhere on my radar was this story. So I wonder if this was successful or not, because like I remember, I, like I know that the New Warriors was a thing. But of course, you know, like X Men, mm-hmm. this is one of the stories that is talked about. It's like, oh, you got to read Days of Future Past. It, it, it'll, so it's an interesting setup. Maybe it maybe it gets dumb uh, in the second and third part. I don't. Maybe it doesn't. But the the thing that's sort of telling is that when they do their Days of Future Past collections, the trade paperbacks, um, they don't include this. They don't even include like Days of Past Future or whatever that terrible. But- Four part annual, yeah. <laughs> which is weird because you Days know, future present, it, yeah, I think that's what it's called, but which is weird because like all of these more or less, you know, take their marching orders from that story. So if you're going to do yeah. a trade paperback, why wouldn't you have you just all of this content? And then you could have, and, and maybe that lends to your theory of maybe this just wasn't popular, uh, but you could have like editor's notes and and the 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 creative staff, like, this is what we wanted to do. This is our vision. And if there was ever anything in like Marvel age or letters or others, you could like pull all that information to like create, like, why did we do all of this? Maybe that just doesn't exist because it wasn't successful. I don't know. It's weird how some characters make it through time and others don't. And especially in this area or era of comics, it feels like they're trying a lot of new things that just didn't work out. Um, sometimes they bring them back with a little bit of a nineties nostalgia, but like, I feel like the new warriors effectively ended with civil war. Uh, I feel like it ended prior to that and they brought them back just to kick off civil war and then they're done. 
Yeah, it kind of Civil War kind of made it so that you can't really reference those characters as the new warriors anymore. You could probably bring them back individually, occasionally, but right. like the new warriors effectively becomes tied to the tragedy of Civil War that sort of kicks it off. So you can't really, I don't know. It's comics. You could do whatever you want. They could bring back new warriors now, I suppose, if they wanted to. Yeah, I mean they they uh, redeemed um, Scarlet Witch, so do whatever you want. We'll have to read the trial of Magneto, see what happens. I can't wait. <laughs> uh, I didn't read Avengers 332, but apparently there's a Wolverine cameo there. So uh, this, the if you open up Avengers 332 and you flip to the second page, it's a, it's a full page, a two-page spread where the Avengers are having a party and you get a bunch of uh, cameos of people that are attending the party and Wolverine is there in a tuxedo hanging out with Nick Fury. And uh, that's, that's cool. Good for him. <laughs> yes. This is written uh, by Larry Hama, so it's got a connection to the Wolverine book itself. So, okay. okay. If anybody knows where Wolverine is at this time, Larry Hama would be the one. Yeah. I think Stan Lee's also there. Uh, of course he is. This is how he's at all the parties. Uh, is this maybe the his inaugural like seeding of like, maybe one day you could be an Avenger. Maybe it's just, I don't you know, know. They don't talk about it in the issue. It's just, let's see the Avengers request the, so this is invite only. So Wolverine got an invite. Oh. The, the Avengers request the honor of your presence at the gala celebration, marking the opening of the new Avengers headquarters. Okay. So this is just to, uh, it's a party because they have a new headquarters. Yep, there are no other X-Men here as far as I can tell. So, I don't believe so. Um, I'm surprised Beast isn't there. Yep. Yeah. Well, they're like <laughs> Beast. <laughs> Maybe is no, he's with the X-Factor, so they should know about him. They uh they they revoked all of his Avengers credentials cuz I mean, freaking Sandman is there. <laughs> <laughs> well, isn't he an Avenger? He's an Avenger. Yeah. He's a, he's a reserve Avenger. So he gets to be there. But it's weird. He <laughs> should be there. Yeah. All right. Anyway, I thought it was I thought it was cute. So that brings us to uh Wolverine number thirty nine. Speaking of Wolverine, I I guess. Indeed. It's almost like I put some forethought into this order. <laughs> and this is a uh this is a, it's a good this story. Was fun. Yeah. I story. like I I mean I've I've always this is this is the Wolverine that I grew up with. So for me, this is just like fun Wolverine that brings a smile to my face and reminds me of enjoying Wolverine comics as a kid. Yes. So Wolverine is, this is, yes, you get, you get that, that depth that Chris Claremont kind of started. And it really sounds, seems like particularly here and, and probably a little bit in, in the previous issues that we've read uh, that Larry Hama has taken that voice that's been, established for Wolverine and is really, um, really working on it and really fleshing it out even more, uh, because Wolverine in this issue is not full of rage and, and just an awesome, cool character. Yeah. He, he's in fact the voice of reason, right? Uh, storm after the reveal that LCD is an Android that has programmed herself or was programmed to, effectively disintegrate Wolverine 
Storm's like, yeah, get away from that thing. Let's, <laughs> let, let's shoot it into the water. Let's shoot it into space. Let's just get it out of here. And Wolverine's like, no, I, I think there's more to this character. And we get a lot of time is spent with Wolverine and LCD kind of pretty form- much half the issue. Yeah. Forming this bond and LCD is like, oh my God, like, this guy's not a, a murdering machine and I, I don't want to kill him, but I'm programmed to. So I got to suppress this, but I don't know how I'm going to hold on to it. Wolverine, you should get away from me. And he's like, I'm not going to do it. Um, we get a neat thing where he is engulfed in flames uh, yeah. and we see this sort of healing montage. Which is r- r- ridiculously wrong, but I still like it. <laughs> it. I like it too. It's it's very much um, well. It's very much like the movies, right? Where he grows all his hair back in a matter of seconds. I thought it was ridiculous, but it's, but it's a, still cool. <laughs> a neat touch that his hair was all burned off and it grew back, which just kind of means to me, like, okay, like Wolverine's. Wolverine never needs a haircut because yeah. his, his hair, this is just what happens. I, I like it, even though it's ridiculous. It's, so if he gets a haircut, like it would just immediately grow back. But for some reason, it just doesn't keep growing, I guess. But whatever. <laughs> it, it's fine. I liked it. Um, and then not only all that stuff is happening, but then you get sort of this touching thing with Albert, where Al- Albert's like all disintegrated and, and he's trying to carry out his mission. And he and LCD are sort of like communicating back and forth and and... Albert ends up exploding and LCD's like really sad about it. But, but Albert's got a role here. He's got to like figure out some computer science stuff to help LCD, um, hold back from exploding Logan. It's, it's really well done. I like it a lot. It, it, it plays, uh, it's kind of tense. Like you get this kind of movie situation where there's a little bit of tension as he's, they go into a radio shack and Albert a radio is like hut, Adam. a radio hut, sorry. <laughs> and he's hacking into like the NSA or something like that. And he's like uh, basically figuring out what the code is to allow LCD to not self-destruct. And it's, it's, it's played really well. There's a timer that goes at some point and you got the ticking time of, bomb, right? So the, the, the stakes are here. You got to yeah. solve this problem and you got, got 60 seconds to do it. And we're cutting back and forth between all these things. Um, what I didn't quite catch, and it's probably because I was reading it so fast is there's guys helping Albert and I don't know why. So these are the guys that in the previous issue were being robbed by the Wolverine, lookalike that brought Wolverine into this whole adventure. So Albert was disguised as Wolverine and robbing banks, which is what brought Wolverine to start searching what was going on. And now he's teamed up with a guy whose banks or money he was robbing from. And they're helping him out under the guise that if we help him, he'll have to help us sort of thing because he's not that bright. Mm -hmm. So we'll see how this kind of plays out. But by the end of the issue, he's been completely destroyed by the FBI. And, uh, you know, the the idea is probably that Wolverine and LCD are going to team up to go save Albert. Yeah, I guess I, I said he exploded. He doesn't explode. He just gets gunned down by the FBI. And it looks like he's sprawled out on this dock, like electronic entrails all over the place and, and other various fluids. But also, in addition to all that sort of stuff happening, you got a little bit of um, Pierce, Lady Deathstrike, and uh, Bonebreaker, Skullhead, whatever his name is. Uh, and I guess um, Lady Deathstrike's been given some new arm implants. I can't, maybe she lost her arm in the last story. I don't remember. 
But the tank guy, whatever his name is, like, oh my god, Reese, uh, should I tell Pierce what happened? And he's about to, and Pierce says something like, do you have something to tell me? He's like, um, no, I think it's fine. Yeah, because Lady Deathstrike makes a comment about, like, what you did is just as stupid as if she had been way too intelligent. So he's just like, ah, never mind. Yeah, no, it's fine. So that that might have been maybe maybe the most hammy part of the issue. Uh, but that's, yeah, that's, sure. a, that's a super minor quip because but this, it's it's in tone with this, with the kind of silliness of what's going on here. But this is yeah this this was a great issue and I'm I'm eagerly awaiting the the third and final chapter because like I've mentioned before I never really read the standalone Wolverine comic because to me he was never really in the X Men or his, his X Men uniform he's just kind of like a James Bond character yeah so anyhow there you go uh, and then that takes us to Marvel Comics presents number sixty five which I'll be honest I just kind of I just kind of skimmed. Yeah, it's uh Ghost it's Rider was there and I was like, "Yeah, okay." Wolverine has made it to the states. They're bo- he's searching for Death Strike, I think is his name. Death Watch. So many deaths. <laughs> uh, Death Watch, uh he tracks down some of the ninjas. Uh he tries to rescue some girl who is bait for Wolverine. Ghost Rider also shows up. They fight because they both think they're trying to kill the girl. Wolverine rips uh, Ghost Rider's jacket off and reveals that he's just a skeleton underneath. He's all bones, a for real demon. Not the first one I've run up against. Um, he ostensibly defeats Ghost Rider and says, well, that was the best fight I've had in a while, or best scrap I've had in a while. But then Ghost Rider wakes up and, uh, oh no, he doesn't. That's the next issue. They, bo- <laughs> they both end up uh, taking each other out, but then two mystery figures well one mystery figure plus the girl that turns out the bait was actually connected to somebody who has power enough to grab a ninja by the throat and snap his neck in a very gruesome and violent panel um they say let's take these guys to father i have i have read ahead so go Rider just gets up and leaves <laughs> okay there's another one that I forgot to put on the list, but I guess we'll cover it next time. We'll have to cover two Spider-Man issues next time. Yeah, that's we're, fine. We'll, we're, bu- we're behind. That's okay. But, uh, yeah. It doesn't uh, really matter. There's no real continuity with many of these stories. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we, we got some notes here. Uh, we got we got a letter here from Close Shave Xavier, uh, and he gives us the definition of traction, which I believe is what happened in the last issue of Wolverine, where Storm says something to one of the guys that was hitting on her. Yeah. And I couldn't tell if that was like, I'm going to hurt you bad, or you couldn't handle me because I'll put you in traction, if you know what I mean. Uh, and he says that he thinks that it was absolutely like a, not a pickup line so much of, like, you, you can't handle what you're asking for. Well, he says in 1983 he spent the summer in traction in a full-body cast, so it seems pretty serious. He says that, yeah, he says that basically, like, your bones are shattered, uh, and so you you have to be set that way. You can't move so that all of those bones uh, can can heal. uh, Putting someone in traction means pulling apart their broken bones so that the bones don't heal in a collapsed or dislocated position. Very painful and lasts for weeks. Yep. Spent the summer in the full body cast. Uh, Storm's threat of putting that guy in traction until July of 92, a full year after the events of this Wolverine issue, means she plans on battering him so badly that his bones would dissolve to the consistency of a fine pudding. If that's not a pickup line, I don't know what is. 
Yeah, you can still look at it two ways. Like, she's going to use her hurricane force to just, like, batter that guy until his bones are a fine pudding or making love to Storm. You don't know what you're asking for. Oh, God. No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Either way, use your imagination. Bruce Glenn, he uh, he makes some good points, and I alluded it to it a little uh, earlier. He, he talks about... Uh, uh, the the lack of fanfare for Louis Simonson and howdy dudes and while Chris Claremont gets a lot of accolades and credits for the mutant universe, uh, Louis Simonson also did quite a bit. I would add that Anne Nascenti also helped shape kind of what what we look at. Certainly, a long shot. Yeah, and from what I've seen of of interviews and other uh, media material, like I, those three, I imagine were were close chums, friends, if you will, um, and, and definitely probably had a, a writer's collaboration of like, I want to do this in X-Men. I want to do this in New Mutants and X-Factor. How about this guy named Longshot? And they're like, yeah, we can use all these. Um, but I would completely agree that she just kind of fizzles away, right? One day she was writing and scripting New Mutants, and then the next day she wasn't. Same with X Factor. Sixty-four New Mutants ninety-seven would be her last mutant issues for nearly ten years. Yeah, nineteen eighty-six to nineteen ninety-one, she had as much to do with the shaping of the Marvel universe as Chris did, and unfortunately, her time with Marvel kind of went out with a whimper. Yep, totally agree with that. Um, and I think I might have this wrong. We'll have to wait. I feel like either at the end of issue three of X Men or at the beginning of issue four of X Men. They they wish Chris Claremont well and and thank him for all of his efforts. Whereas uh, Louis Simonson has basically just written out. I don't think there maybe in the letters section that that we didn't cover, but there was didn't seem like there was like a splash of thanks, Louise. I'll have to track X Men number three and see if there's a sort of goodbye, Chris, at the end of that. I feel like there is, but I could be wrong. Um, I know that at the end of his second stint, that last issue has, you know, uh, a thanks, Chris, for your second awesome run on the X-Men. But stay tuned, readers, because everything changes next issue. <laughs> and that's when the um, the guy I always talk about, whose name I forget, uh, took over. The um, deadly Genesis Chuck guy. Oh. Uh, no, after Chuck Austin. Ed Brubaker. Ed Brubaker, yeah. I think they traded in... Chris Claremont's second run for Ed Brubaker. Okay. Because he was, I think he was the new hotness. He has two return runs. Chris does or? Chris does. On Uncanny X-Men? Because I know he comes back for like X-Men Unlimited or whatever. He takes over both at some point. He also does uh, another X title. I thought it was like X-Men Unlimited. Extreme 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 X-Men. And then he comes back again to, I think, Uncanny. Okay. I'm probably talking about that second run. Where they say they thank him for like another 50, 40 issues or whatever he ended up doing there. And then Ed Brubaker takes over and everything changes. Yeah, everything always changes. Yeah. Uh, he ends his uh, line there with uh, Do you guys plan on covering the next story of New Warriors? Because the X Men ap- appear, kind of. And, and the answer you have we absolutely are covering it. Not back to back, but uh, we'll, we'll cover them as B sides as we do. Uh, and then he makes a suggestion that maybe we should cover the MCP storylines Marvel Comics presents all at once. Uh, I can't. I don't know if I can do that. Uh, yeah, yeah, that, that's not a thing we're good. At. <laughs> I think. I think we've talked about this, and I, I feel like this letter sort of pushes me over the edge of 
Um, I think we should do Weapon X as one. Yeah, I think we've always intended story. Our, our intention between the two of us is that we're always going to do Weapon X as a one one episode. Yeah, which which will be interesting to see. I think you you said you have read it from start to finish. Right? I did read yeah. it from start to finish a couple years ago, and it definitely reads differently than way back when I read it as a kid, uh, week to week, yeah, or month to month, or whatever. They, whenever they came out, I think they were bi-weekly, but yeah. Um, and it's a very quick read. There's not a lot of dialogue. We should be able to cover it in one episode, I think. And I think the the challenge with doing these MCPs, while I will agree that they're hard to keep track of, I think it's twofold. I think it's a lot of those stories are boring uh, and pointless. <laughs> <laughs> they're they're sort of fun to dip in. I think we've we've seen a couple where like, oh, that was sort of surprising. Um, they're the kind of thing that I like reading about more than I like talking about. Yeah. And because it's very quick to read them, but then it's, it's usually a few weeks later and you're like, Oh, what happened in this thing? And even though there are only eight pages, some of those eight pages are, uh, hard, <laughs> hard to read. So I can't imagine trying to do like a five parter effectively, I guess. 40, well, for 40 like pages. this, this, this Wolverine Ghost Rider one that we're in now is, something I grew up with and I remember fondly and it is, it's not the greatest though. I'll, I'll admit that it's like, it's very slow. Yeah. It's, it's hard to do eight page things. Some people are good at it and some people aren't. Well, you sort of have to do like, it's like a mini beginning, middle and end when you're already in the middle of a story. Right. Cause these don't seem to, they sort of kind of rehash like what, what just happened yeah, and then now I'm going to do this thing. Oh, this thing happened, and then it ends on a cliffhanger, and then we rehash the cliffhanger, and so I, I yeah, it's a long way of saying we're not going to do that, uh, yeah. except for Weapon X, and and maybe there's that one cyber story. Maybe maybe that we could do as like a one shot. Uh, maybe not. I don't know. I remember that one being fairly not great. Okay, <laughs> artistically amazing because it's Sam Keith. Yeah. And it's like, oh, this is this is like a whole new way of looking at Wolverine, uh, which was kind of fun. But yeah, I can't imagine doing that as a. Uh, I mean, we'll see. We'll see yeah. when we get there. I don't want to commit to anything. I don't want to not commit to anything. Uh, That's how non-committal of you. Yes, exactly. By not committing, by committing to not committing, aren't you committing? I am. I am not committing to committing. Are you committing to not committing to committing? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyways, you yes, can uh, contact us at www.xmenpodcast.com or go out to facebook.com forward slash danger room podcast. Twitter us at danger room. Go email us danger room at xmenpodcast.com. Go out to iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts to subscribe and put feedback and, and all that good stuff. Uh, or else go out to patreon.com slash danger room where links to all of these episodes exist plus additional content from, well, about six months ago. Uh, give or take, of the current run of the X universe, plus Adam and I's witty and super interesting pop culture hot takes. Yes, those those things. Where we basically just talk about Star Wars, Star Trek, Doctor Who, G.I. Joe, and Transformers. I don't think it gets any deeper than that. Yeah, no, that's that's fairly accurate. <laughs> so there you go. Got anything else, Adam? We also got a letter from a, a Patreon oh, you, or a, right. a patron. I was supposed to remember that and I didn't. Uh, Adrian Bundy, he said he's interested in the one-off Guardians read-through. I don't know what that is. 
So we had discussed there's a three-part Guardians of the Galaxy. Guardians of the Galaxy takes place in the future of Marvel, and there's a uh, three-part The World of the Mutants thing that uh-huh. I had suggested we we could cover if we get enough interest. So, so far, we've got one. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what's our threshold? Is it three? Yeah, probably. It's okay. Really, I don't know. So, yeah. so Adrian's got one. Uh, we need two more people uh, to, to, to push us over the edge. We'll, we'll call it three. Uh, and then I feel like that just goes on Patreon as well. Like we'll, we'll do it and then we'll throw it up on Patreon, right? Yeah. I mean, unless, uh, unless the other two voters are not patrons, in which case they wouldn't get to see it and therefore they wouldn't get to count. I don't know. That's yeah, not true, it, Adam. It, it just, it just costs a dollar. One dollar. That's, that's true. One dollar. To unlock the gates of. You can unlock all 20 to 30 episodes that we've recorded. Hours of just You could binge them all in content. a single month that you have. And cancel. And then, uh, and then you'd cancel. One dollar. That's what I do when I'm watching Netflix. <laughs> really just subscribe for a month and then cancel I just it. subscribe for a month, watch all the, the show that I want to watch, and then uh, watch anything else that's out at that time and that I'm interested in. And then I unsubscribe. I do with, that's what I do with all this. That's, that's how streaming is now. I think there's some reddits of like how to maximize that and like what, what the time thresholds are for three free trials. Hmm. Uh, like that's how my dad's been watching all the star Trek shows as he signs <laughs> up for the 30 day free watches as much as he can. And then waits like, I don't know, six months or whatever time it is. And then gets another 30 days free. Okay. Sure. Totally maximize those. I don't mind paying. It's like six bucks a month, so it's like six months every so often. Uh, well, I'm, I'm the paying. only one I, I committed to subscribing to is HBO Max, which I will stay subscribed to until I finish watching all of their Looney Tunes library. Wow. Which isn't going to take that long, but they have a lot. But I just want to watch all those. Do they even have the racist ones up there? No, no, they don't have every episode. Okay. Uh, they just have all probably all the most popular ones. The the racist ones you can find on YouTube, probably. I'm guessing. Yes. But yeah, there's there's the the censored seven, I believe, and they're not all Warner Brothers. I think the censored seven is maybe two Looney Tunes and then other stuff as well. My recollection, I'm probably wrong about this, but the the, the Warner Brothers, uh, very problematic, very racist uh, episodes, uh didn't feature like Bugs Bunny and, and the Looney Tunes, but were from the Warner Brothers studio. The one that I watched was just, just awful. Uh, but on a positive note, at, at one point I was going to try to uh, obtain all of the Looney Tunes Golden Collection DVDs. I got yeah. one volume and I started watching them and I was like, yeah, I, I love these. These are great. Uh, and then I just never continued picking up the volumes. Um there are three so, volumes on Blu-ray. I have those um, just because I wanted to have them. I, I, I like I, – I, It's a nice thing to put out in the background yeah, sometimes. I like them. I, it would be curious to, to watch them uh, in, in 2022 and, you know, I, I don't want to – I'm going to throw out the word woke, but like <laughs> – you know there's a, there's definitely a lot of what you would call yeah. sensitive material i guess um you just have to you know it's like it's like anything you take it like this this is this is a reflection of the time that it was created in and, and you know i mean you basically have a french stereotype trying to rape a cat right so it makes sense that as they sort of started putting together the blue where they're like ooh yeah we yeah let's let's uh let's take those out yeah and it's 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 both a shame, but I also understand why they do it. I mean, like, 
they always say like if you if you just get rid of them then you're you're also erasing the history that ever that ever happened which we should at least be aware that there was a time that we thought that way regularly right and we we don't think that way anymore and it's it's important to keep that that evolution as part of the the way of thinking it's a it's it's I agree. Uh, you want them there so that you can kind of study them and be like, "This is this is what we were thinking in the fifties and the sixties, right? You know, and and in the late you know, or later twenty and twenty tens and twenty twenties, really sort of studied and like, oh, that's probably not the right way to portray these characters. It doesn't make that to to leave them existing doesn't mean that we're saying that those things are that way of thinking is correct or right i think the challenge though is that because they're 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 played for laughs yeah it's they should still be accessible to be like what was happening what was the media okay that's interesting that that existed but to sort of like put them out on a an entertainment collection of other things that have a humorous purpose right that's where i think the you know, if you're sitting in a boardroom, like, should we do this or should we not do this? You're like, this is really complicated. Uh, <laughs> let's not. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, maybe, maybe the better thing to do is to like put all those somewhere that's not like somewhere for study, right? Like put them online of like, this I is. I guess that's YouTube now. Yeah. It may be, right? And I bet you all so those corporations don't even really have to worry about it because there's never, they're never going to be able to right. erase that. Right. And I'm not saying that they should. It's just, yeah, that's that's a tricky uh, and and very political and very divisive uh, topic. And and we should probably stop talking about it before everybody's like, I'm done yeah, with this yeah, podcast. Uh, yeah, what do we know? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not defending it, nor am I condoning it. Therefore, I have not taken a position, and maybe I've just alienated myself from everybody. <laughs> yeah, we're not the danger room, the political context, uh, political contextual con- uh, podcast. Yeah, if you want that stuff. Join our Patreon because every now and then we get topical. Yeah. Not very often, though. Not yeah, very rarely. Okay, well, uh, I don't feel competent enough to be politically topical. I don't think that's a requirement. Have you watched the news? <laughs> that's true. Have you watched the Talking true. Heads? And I'm not even a name network. They're all they yeah. they all have an opinion. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, anything else, Adam? No. Let's get let's get this over with. Oh my god. All right. Until next time. My name's Jeremy. My name's Adam. Uh, the danger room is closed. But then there's that one thing. <laughs> Wait a minute. I want to talk about politics.